from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in Giants fans to episode 168 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague Daryl Slater as the Giants return home to MetLife Stadium on Sunday, now riding a franchise record-tying nine-game losing streak when they play the Dolphins thanks to their loss in overtime against the Eagles, a game that they controlled for much of the first half at Lincoln Financial Field, Daryl. And it just seems like this team finds ways to lose. And after the game, Saquon Barkley said as much. He did. He he literally said that. <laughs> so that is about as damning of a, of a statement as you could possibly have. And now, you know, it's it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Pat Shermer, I would uh, even if he wins out to to go five and eleven after uh, going five and eleven next year, I think he's gone regardless. I think uh, as we've been saying all along for weeks now. I mean, I think we said this before the bye week. Even we were forecasting what could happen here down down the stretch before the Jet game, way yeah. back in week nine or ten when they played yeah. the Jets. If this streak hits ten and it's the new record for the franchise, he's out of here Monday. He's or he has to be at least. I mean, there's nothing to be gained at this point uh, if they lose this game. From obviously you're not going to fire him coming off a win, but if they lose this game and there's two games left, there's really nothing to be gained, especially when maybe Daniel Jones isn't playing. I don't know if the Giants will do that. I think maybe they'll let him play it out and and go to Washington and then come home. And play the Eagles again, but uh, that's certainly what they should do. And anyway, it's semantics. It's it's, it's just a foregone conclusion at this point. And anyway. we're going to talk about all that. We'll talk about Dave Gettleman's future. We'll talk about whatever's going on at the quarterback position with Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. Um, well, I, I don't know about you, Daryl, and we'll dive into this later. I think it's an a abject disaster to play Eli Manning if Daniel Jones is medically cleared to play. Oh, we'll yeah. get into all that. Of course, if you like what you hear, we'd love if you would subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. Leave us those five-star reviews in the Apple Podcast Store. It really helps us grow the show. Let us know what guests that you like, uh, that you think we should have on, things you'd like to hear on the podcast. And starting this week, Daryl, something brand new, a brand new way to interact with both you and I, if you're not already following you on Twitter, at Daryl Slater or myself, at Matt Lombardo NFL. NJ Advanced Media is debuting Giants Extra. You can sign up. There's going to be links to it on our Twitter account. We're going to have a story on NJ.com at some point this week where you can sign up to get text messages directly from you and I to go inside the locker room, inside Quest Diagnostic Center to find out what's going on with the Giants and really another way to interact with the two of us. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty cool. I mean, it, it is a way for, for us to kind of reach out to you guys directly, um, and we appreciate you know, you go in and taking a look at it and subscribing and uh, it, you'll hear stuff first on that platform. And, and it's something that if you're maybe some of you guys are aware of this or guys and gals are aware of this from what Rutgers does, our, our, our guys down there, James Cratch, Keith Sargent and Steve Politi, uh chiming in with Rutgers information on, on their Rutgers uh, sort of uh, text service. Really, these texts go directly to your phone um, and you can text back with us and and uh, and and we'll interact with you guys yeah. on there. I mean, it's not, a, we're not giving you our phone number. But no, but we're going to have Q&As with you, yeah. you know, we'll, you know, share little nuggets that we pick up along the way, clear out the notebook that maybe things didn't make it into our stories. You'll get that information. And if you have questions yeah. for us or things that you'd like us to ask certain players, this is your way to get involved. And it goes right to us and we can interact with you guys directly on there through this service. So it's really cool. And, and folks down who have, who have followed Rutgers uh, and all that's going on down there, which is 
always a ton going on with Rutgers have really liked this, uh, and I think and I hope you guys will as well. So um, if you if you're from, maybe you're familiar with it, if you're a Rutgers fan and also a Giant fan, so maybe you subscribe to those guys. We do it for the Devils as well. Um, so I think that'll be you know if you if you like the Devils and the Giants, maybe you're familiar with it through that. But uh, but yeah. Check it out. Uh, it has, uh, as we're talking now, it's Thursday, uh, Thursday at 11.45. So and this podcast will post later this evening. And I would think by the time this podcast is up later this evening, we should be launched and ready to go and uh, give you guys a chance to uh, check out the, the whole story. Literally, there'll be, there'll be a story on our site about, about what we're going to be doing and, um, and how you guys can sign up and everything like that. So it'll be fun. It, it'll be a really enjoyable, kind of breezy, easy way. Yeah. Um, and not the formality of, of us kind of writing a story. Just talking to you guys and uh and then certainly and uh we'll hit you up through through the service on uh for for questions for the podcast oh so, no doubt about and it if you have questions for the podcast this is the way to do it now i mean ask those questions and we'll go and we'll, and we'll answer them right here on the podcast so. yep so be on the lookout nj.com slash giants at daryl slater at matt lombardo nfl we'll tweet out all the information post the information on how you can sign up how you can subscribe and uh daryl i think you put it best in one of your introductory text messages that will go out later we promise to do this better than the giants are playing football this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know if you guys are going to get that text because it uh, it it was sent out in a test form, so I'll will resend it. It was a good joke. I, I so, liked it. I, yeah. I I chuckled when I yeah. read it on, on I mean, my phone. It was an obvious joke because it's <laughs> but but geez, I mean obviously the, things could not be going worse for the Giants, and they're on the brink. If you look at the numbers historically, would this be the worst Giants season ever? Not ever, because they did go one twelve and one. I think in nineteen sixty four, sixty six, or something like that. I had that in a little story earlier this week. So this would not be their fewest wins and it would not be their lowest winning percentage but if they go 2-14 and 14, it would be their second lowest winning percentage it would be their fewest wins in a 16 game season so man this team has been around since 1925 and, and this is right up there with some of the worst seasons they've ever had and John Mara obviously needs to figure out how this doesn't ever happen again. Yeah exactly and if you look at the three year stretch no team since the start of 2017 has won fewer games than the Giants have they have just 10 wins since the start of the 2017 season so you just look at how far this franchise has fallen, and that's why this offseason is so pivotal. It's not just pivotal to Daniel Jones taking that big leap forward from year one to year two as a quarterback, or Darius Slayton building on the positive momentum of his game against the Eagles and now leading all rookie wide receivers with seven touchdowns. It's about trying to find the right head coach and the right coaching staff and making the right personnel decisions to turn around the entire direction of this franchise. And I think there is some talent on both sides of the football, Daryl. I think that when you look at Jones, we've talked about uh, for several weeks that there's been a lot of good things, but some things he needs to work on. Uh, Slayton, I think, is developing into a legitimate deep threat. They might have found something there. And they've been playing a majority of this season without Evan Ingram, who, if you look back to the first four weeks of the season, he was leading the Giants in touchdown catches. So you haven't had that weapon in there because of his various injuries. And on defense, DeAndre Baker's playing better. You're playing uh, Julian Love at safety, getting him a lot of valuable reps. But this young core, Dexter Lawrence included, it needs to be supplemented by wholesale changes on both sides of the football with quality free agent signings and you're going to have the chance to be picking in the top three of the draft most likely depending on how these next couple weeks play out so you'll be adding some blue chip talent there as well 
obviously they have glaring holes at areas where you can't have glaring holes in the NFL if you want to win. And we've been over this time and again, offensive line, uh, edge rusher, uh, pass rusher, and, and, and cornerback to a degree. I mean, if you, if you presume that Janoris Jenkins is gone, which he, which he should be, and he probably will be. So they'll have to figure out where, where they're going to go with their other outside corner spot. And so that it's really, it's remarkable. The Jets have the similar issues, right? And these are th- three huge, hugely important areas. Yeah. Uh, you take, you know, you set quarterback aside, which is obviously the most important position. These are, these are three of the most important spots in the NFL that you could possibly have. Okay, outside corner uh, and uh, edge rusher, pass rusher, and and, and offensive, offensive line. Tackle. So, <laughs> I mean, especially particularly offensive tackle for the for the Giants, which is which is critical. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be an enormous offseason for Dave Gettleman, presuming he sticks around. Uh, and these final three games are an evaluation opportunity for some of those younger players. You mentioned Julian Love, so uh, this is a chance for those guys to show this organization uh, and put tape out there and say, uh, you know, this is why I deserve to be part of this going forward. So for DeAndre Baker, for Julian Love, these games matter down the stretch. Now, do they matter for a guy like Janoris Jenkins? No. I mean, his fate is probably sealed and he, and he should be, he should be canned, but, um, but that for the younger guys, they're definitely important games, even though, you know, you're talking about two and 10, the two or rather two and 11 giants, three and 10 dolphins on Sunday. The game doesn't have a lot of glitz and glamor and it doesn't. And especially if Eli Manning starts, it's just a, you know, a final home start for him, which will be a neat opportunity. But, um, can but we dive into that, that for a second? Like, can we yeah, jump sure. right into that idea of Eli that's Manning the news starting of the one more game? Yeah. yeah. Because I, I'm, I'm sorry. For for the last two weeks in press conferences, hearing some of our colleagues ask questions about you know Eli Manning getting one more start and what that would mean and if they were planning to do that and what Daniel Jones can learn from the sidelines from watching Eli Manning play. Can we just stop with all this? Can we stop with the nonsense of, again, I think that there's a lot to be said and a lot of respect for what Eli Manning meant to this franchise, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. Daryl, in my opinion, and you can agree, disagree, give your thoughts and all that, it would be a colossal mistake for them to play Eli Manning if Daniel Jones is medically cleared to play. Because you talked about uh, how much the tape values for young guys like DeAndre Baker and like Dexter Lawrence and like Julian Love and figuring out where those guys fit. These last three games, if he's healthy and able to play and Daniel Jones returned to practice on Thursday, then the big thing now is seeing how much he can run and cut and how mobile he is and how he responds to uh, a full practice load. But as soon as he's medically cleared to play, Daryl, they need to get Daniel Jones back on the field because every snap matters. I don't think he's done enough as a rookie and done a lot of nice things, made a lot of nice throws, shown you a lot of promise. He hasn't done enough in terms of overcoming his turnovers and overcoming his ball security issues, overcoming reading a defense pre-snap, and every snap having the chance to do that matters. And if the organization, whether it's John Mara on down, believe that there's value in putting Eli Manning out there for one more game when Daniel Jones is healthy, I think that's a colossal mistake because you rob Jones of those snaps and you rob yourself of tape to show him this offseason on what he needs to do to get better. Well, I think it would be completely idiotic, and I I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, if he's medically cleared, that means that the, the medical staff thinks that he can move around well enough. We already went over the fact last week, and we you know, wrote it, uh, that with a high ankle sprain, you, you can't really make it worse by playing on it. It's not like something that you can uh, play on and then, oh, geez, now you're going to need surgery and you're out for the spring. That's not how it works. It's a pain tolerance issue, and it's a mobility issue. So, And he's played through it before. He yeah. talked about it on Wednesday that he had, for the last couple games at Duke last year, had the high ankle sprain, played through it the entire second half against the Packers in the snow, in bad footing and bad weather. So if it's pain tolerance, and he's saying, as he did Wednesday, that he was able to run and cut during Wednesday's practice, if he's medically cleared, 
he should start on Sunday and there should be no discussion. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And a lot of the medical clearance is going to depend on, uh, you know, his mobility and his ability to escape pass rushers. Because obviously you don't want a pass rusher teeing off on a guy who can't move around. And then, then you're talking about potentially having a worse injury. But if he's medically sure. cleared, it would be asinine, of course, to start Eli Manning. I'm sorry, but like they thanked Eli Manning by giving him a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay. That was the thank you. A quarter of a billion dollars. The guy made $252 million in his career. He's the highest played NFL player of all time. That is the thank you. Okay, that is it. Not okay? to mention the $17 million parting gift for coming back and playing two games this season. He doesn't need a gold watch of a game uh, against a 3-10 and Dolphins team. Uh, come on. It's asinine. Like, I don't understand how anyone in their right mind could possibly think that that is a logical way to proceed. And I, I, w- I would hope that the Giants are pragmatic enough to look at it and say, we have a rookie quarterback who started to just 10 games and we need to ch- check him out a little bit more. Yeah. He's our future. This other guy's in the final year of his contract. Correct. There's no debate. He's gone. He Eli Manning is gone, okay? Correct. And, and even and if he is for some miracle back next year, he's not the starter. So there's nothing to be gained. No, I, I agree. Mean, he, and every time he throws a Darius Slayton, yeah. it matters. And every time he steps up to a line of scrimmage, how he reads that defense matters. And there's something to be gained from every rep. And you did, you wrote a great story last week when Manning came in because of Daniel Jones's injury on how these guys throw the football differently. And Sterling Shepard talking about catching a ball from Eli Manning and how it comes out of his hand versus how it comes out of Daniel Jones's hand. And getting Jones the experience with Slayton to continue to build on their, their chemistry, which has been strong since the start of training camp. You you said it, though. There is no future for Eli Manning as the Giants starting quarterback beyond Week 17 against the Eagles. He has no real future with this organization as a starting quarterback beyond that game. So to waste any of those snaps over sentimentally putting him out there to get the fans one opportunity to give him a standing ovation, I'm sorry, that's malpractice. That That is football malpractice on the part of John Merritt, Dave Gettleman, all the way on down, if that in fact happens. Now, it's a different story entirely if Jones isn't medically cleared, and if the doctors say that he still needs to be able to, to clear this test or that test, or you know, you can tell that he's not able to make the same plays on the run that he is when he's healthy, that's a completely other story. But if there is the thought of putting him out there one more time to honor him, play a tribute video before the Week 17 game. Introduce the offense and have him come out last exactly. during player introductions. That would be a great moment. But play Jones. He deserves a moment. I get that. But he does not deserve, and he would be to the detriment of this franchise, playing if he plays one more time when Daniel Jones is healthy enough to play. And I don't think anyone's even saying that Eli Manning wants or is asking for a token final start at home as a thank you. Again, the organization appreciates him tremendously. Okay, they've lionized this guy, and again, they paid him a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay, $252 million is what he's made from this organization alone in his career. Okay, they made, they they thanked him. That is a thank you. Yep. All right? That's that's more than, a, a, you know, a fruitcake and a gold watch. That's a, that's a big-time thank you. And they gave him a lot of money this year. Um, so they valued him. To say that they don't value him or respect him uh, by, you know, by not starting him at the, the end of the year is insane. Obviously, Daniel Jones deserves to start if he's the guy. So And, and, and then you saw on Monday night that Eli Manning did some okay things. Right, but it's not like he led them to a victory. They, they, they scored. They had. They gained 29 yards of offense in the second. Yeah, 16 passing yards in the second half. So okay, so that's exactly what we all expected: a, a mediocre to slightly below mediocre performance. A couple little highlights yep. sprinkled in, a couple nice throws to to, uh, Slayton. to Darius Slayton for those touchdowns. Okay, those are good moments. But the team lost. Okay, they they were leading 17 to three until a minute and a half remained in the third quarter. 
and they lost 23 to 17 in overtime. That's all you need to know. Yep, and okay? I think that Eli There's, Manning's not performance about the puts him there in a lot of ways, but a lot of ways head coach Pat Shermer's decisions in the second half of that game put them there as well. And I think that if you want to look at the beginning of the end for Pat Shermer, we can say that it happened when they lost to the Jets, right? Going into the bye week, and that loss probably sealed his fate. But if you want to boil down one game as to how the Giants got here and how Pat Shermer got here in terms of a lack of job security, it's what happened in that game. It's what happened in the second half on Monday night in the fact that you just look at you were up 17-3, to everything is clicking, airing it out, stretching the field to Darius Slayton. All of a sudden the Eagles go to a little bit of more of a zone coverage and keep everything in front of them, and the offense falls apart and can't move the football, not to mention everything that happened inside of the final minute, the, the kind of chess match between him and Doug Peterson with the timeout getting called too late and then the Eagles punting it away. That kind of boils down to that type of performance, why Pat Shermer is not the right coach for this team. He's not a good head coach. He is not a good NFL head coach. It's been demonstrated over the course of now, I believe, 62 games. Okay, the guy is 17 and 45. That's plenty of opportunities to show whether you're a good head coach. I understand the talent wasn't good in Cleveland. I get that the talent's not good here. Okay, but 17 and 45. Come on. The seventh worst winning percentage in NFL history among coaches who have coached at least 50 games. He's, what, 7 and and 22 with the Giants now? Yep. Is that right? So, yeah, 5 and 11 and 2, yeah, and 11. The second worst winning percentage in the team's history among all coaches ever with the organization. So, I mean, Pat Shermer might be plenty qualified, and he probably is, to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. He's done a good job with that. He's not a good head coach. That's it. He should never be a head coach in the NFL again, and he probably never will. And I think he sees that coming. And I think that, you know, you just look at his demeanor and you were asking him some really pointed questions after the game about his lack of job security and whether he thinks he has a chance to finish out the season. And he basically said, yeah, I do, but we'll have to see. I think that was very interesting because he kind of took what was a pointed question that he, in the past, might have flipped out about, might have given uh, you an, an angry glare after you asked it. And he kind of made a joke about it. And that kind of leads me to believe, Daryl, that I think in some ways he might be resigned to his fate that he has no future as the Giants head coach beyond this season. He has to know. I mean, he has to know. I mean, he can't even get angry at this point. Not that, you know, he's been pretty professional, I would get, you know, for the most part, I would, you know, gather from what just talking to him here uh, about these tough questions. You know, he's been pretty professional yeah. about him. And, oh, no doubt about it. And, and, he, and he understands. And even he kind of, he kind of, after the game said, uh, you know, he, he he thinks he'll finish the year. What else do you expect him to say? And then he kind of shrugged, did the little shrug guy emoji almost, like, you know, <laughs> the little lines and whatever the people cleverly insert on the social media and stuff. So he kind of did that. Uh, so that was, that sums it up. <laughs> that sums up the last, the shrug guy emoji. Is the, Does he have a name? I don't know if he has a name. Yeah, well, we can call him the Sherm. <laughs> yeah. The last, uh, the last three games of this season. So he knows what's coming and, and he'll get other opportunities in the NFL to be a coordinator, no doubt. And, and don't feel bad for Pat Shermer, folks, he got a five-year contract from the Giants. He could sit in his rear end for the next three years and get paid the entirety of the contract. And then go and be a coordinator somewhere again. Or go and be a a college coach somewhere and and still have cashed that money from John Mara. Yeah, I mean, basically, he's getting the money regardless. So I believe, I'm sure, and I don't know this, but there's got to be an offset in the contract where, say, he makes... If he takes another job in the NFL, I think that whatever um, the difference is, that he, the Giants don't have to cover that. Right, so if the Giants owe him, say, for example, $4 million next Next year, and he gets a job that pays him one million. Well, the Giants pay only three million dollars. He doesn't Correct. get to, he doesn't get the fully double dip. So he's guaranteed to make for the next three years what he would have made 
if he was the Giants coach. But but really no more than that. Um, you know, unless he finds a job that pays him more than that, which is probably unlikely. But um, yeah, so he's going to be just fine, folks, financially and uh, and and job wise. You know, the you know the I understand people having sympathy for coaches who get who get let go in the NFL, and there and there is a lot of of, of uprooting and family changes in terms of you know having to move because there's not a lot of job stability, but there's also a ton of financial stability. Okay. <laughs> like there's a ton, especially if you're the head coach. So, uh, you know, there's no reason to feel bad for him. There's no reason to feel bad for Eli Manning. I mean, the results are what they are for this organization and for Pat Shermer and, and he's going to get fired and he deserves to get fired. And surely he knows that that's, that's it. And that's the reality of the NFL. And the, the question becomes what happens with Dave Gettleman? Yeah. And you talk to people around the league and you kind of get some mixed signals on that because you talk to some people and they think that uh, Mara is going to be reluctant to fire a general manager after just two years and fire two general managers in less than three years. And then you talk to other insiders across the league and they say that there's no way that he survives this based on uh, going all the way back to the Saquon Barkley pick, going back to the team not progressing over the last two seasons. And then you have to ask yourself, how much belief does John Mara have in Dave Gettleman hiring this head coach and how much input should he have in hiring this next head coach after the Pat Shermer hire has gone so poorly and to me that you wrote about this last week Daryl that that's the most important conversation when Steve Tisch and John Mara sit down is before going to Dave Gettleman before you make any decision about Pat Shermer those two need to decide does Dave Gettleman deserve to have any input over hiring Pat Shermer's successor has he done enough as a talent evaluator and and as a drafter and as a free agent signer to continue to hold the keys to this organization. And the jury is certainly out on that. And I think that the Leonard Williams trade, as I wrote about, underscores that he does not understand Dave Gettleman, the current dynamics of the NFL in 2019 when it comes to draft capital, when it comes to positional value. And I wonder, is this organization going to dig its heels in further into the giant way? Or is somebody going to wake up, look around the league, look at the success of organizations with young up and GMs, GMs that build their roster around using analytics and say that we need to go in a different direction here. It, here's the thing. If the, if the Giants are committed to Dave Gettleman's plan, and I kind of wrote this, and really they're almost too far along now to, 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 to can him after two years, um, but if they are indeed committed to his plan, which – it might be a terrible plan, but maybe they don't view it that way. They have to give him some input on the coaching hire. But the final decision should fall to John Mara and Steve Tisch. It shouldn't be a final Dave Gettleman decision. He hasn't earned the right to unilaterally hire the next head coach. The other thing to consider here is John Mara and Steve Tisch are now 0 for 2 on head coaching hires. These guys yeah. were not involved in the Tom Coughlin hire. Wellington Mara was still around and running the show back then. Now, I shouldn't say they weren't involved. They weren't running the show. John Mara was involved in the Tom Coughlin hire, but that was a Wellington Mara decision, his father. He was still alive, still around, still running the show here. So now they've struck out on Ben McAdoo, lasted two years, gone. Now they've struck out on Pat Shermer, lasted two years, gone. Next year, they'll be paying Pat Shermer for the next three years, okay, then the new coach. This is the last year, currently 2019. Of the and ben, they're still fully ben paying Ben McAdoo this, this year, year because this year. he's out of football altogether. Right. So basically, you will be paying two coaches for 18 and 19 and then you'll be paying two coaches for 20, 21, and 22. This team's going to go five years where they're paying two coaches at the same time. Do they want to go down that road with the GM? Do they want to cut loose a GM and be doubling up on that position as well? That's what they have to ask themselves along with how committed they are to this guy's plan. And if they are committed to his plan, you can't just let, have, let him have no input. If he stays, he's got to have some input. And he, and he probably will, but he can't make the final decision. But they, you know, should at, they be committed to the plan? 
in your estimation, covering this team, should they be committed to the plan? I, I you know, it's it's really like left them no. I guess they could pull the plug, right? I mean, after two years. Um, I don't think they will. To but... me, it's the perfect time to pull the plug because you'll be yeah. picking potentially number two or number three overall. And you've already seen in terms of taking a running back at number two overall and then not building around him and trading away Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, as, as a game-breaking wide receiver for your future rookie quarterback and to take some of the pressure off of Saquon Barkley. You've seen how that has played out. You you saw what happened in last year's draft. Now, DeAndre Baker is starting to come around, but you had three first-round picks, and Jones is the only one, and Dexter Lawrence, through stretches of the season, has played at a very high level as well. But you've, you've not gotten the kind of production out of the first two drafts, both picking in the top ten, that you would expect to get this earlier in their careers. And, and I think that if you're going to hire a new GM, and especially a forward-thinking one, maybe like a Chris Dodds from the... Uh, Ed Dodds, rather, from the Indianapolis Colts, their assistant general manager, where you go the Lewis Riddick or Daniel Jeremiah route, someone who's going to rely on analytics, somebody who's going to um, try to continue to build through the draft. And with $67 plus million in cap space, they're not going to inherit a better set of assets to continue this rebuild than they will this offseason. So to me, if you're committed to Dave Gettleman, that's one thing Then you need to be all in. But if you're you know, on the fence about Gettleman, there's not going to be a better situation for a general manager to walk into than this one because you'll have premium draft picks, a ton of cap space, and you'll have a rookie quarterback who you can decide whether you move, you're move you moving forward with him and that's one thing you don't need to worry about or you're picking high enough to draft a quarterback and flip Daniel Jones for even more draft capital uh, coming in and putting your fingerprints on this franchise. Yeah, I, I think that the, the issue here all along has been going back to the offseason when you looked at them and say, they're, well, they're going to draft a quarterback – but uh, but they're not really fully rebuilding. They're bringing back Eli Manning. They're bringing back Janoris Jenkins. And I know that the, you know the cutting Jenkins would have been a you know a, a reasonable dead money cap hit. But uh, I think if you as you look at it, you know he didn't do a good enough job. Dave Gettleman did of, of fully embracing a rebuild. You could sell a rebuild if you're actually rebuilding. I mean, they gave an enormous contract to Golden Tate, a guy who is what you know now. Uh, Thirty-one years old. He's thirty-one this year. So the day after they traded Odell Beckham Jr. So you realize that you were trying to trade away one game-breaking wide receiver, and you thought that putting a band-aid on that move was bringing in Golden Tate, who his best years are from the slot. Right, and and and. and and it's a win now move, and they're not in position to win now. I don't understand. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense now. Then it doesn't make sense now. Um, so if you're going to rebuild, embrace it, and then you're going to quote unquote tank or whatever, and in you know whatever. If you want to call it that, that's fine. But you know you, they could have used plenty of more salary cap space next offseason. I mean they're they're probably what in the 11, 12 range, somewhere around there. Yeah, they, they have a good amount of cap space, but not a, a tremendous amount like the Jets had with a hundred million dollars uh, this year. And they're, that the reason the Jets had all that cap space is because of the moves that they made in terms of of, of shedding cap, in terms of um, tearing down the roster, which is what you kind of have to do when you rebuild. So the issue is that the, the Dave Gettleman had one foot in each of the uh, in each camp there in the rebuilding camp and the win now camp and, and that was the philosophy win, of the yeah. entire rebuild was trying to quote unquote win it's while stupid. rebuilding. It's so dumb. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't work any, in the NFL. It doesn't, doesn't work in the NBA. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Either you rebuild or you try to win or you push to win immediately. So what would have been the reward here for going winning seven games or six games or even eight games? You think fans would have been yeah, they would have been upset with that. I guess they would have been you know, if Daniel Jones leads them to those wins and whatever they think they'd probably be happy with that, but but 
so what? You're not making the playoffs. What's the point? You know what? The Detroit Red Wings, for example, in the NHL, chased their playoff streak forever. You know, just to get into the playoffs, continue the playoff streak. They lose in the first round every year, and that team is a disaster now because they kept chasing and chasing with these big veteran contracts. Now that's it's a little bit of apples to oranges, obviously, and it's a different sport, of course. But you know, what are you doing if you're not trying to win the Super Bowl? Are you just are you trying to start over, or are you just trying to be? A, are you building toward eight and eight, six and seven, or whatever? Is that sustainable or are you just trying to hover and it seemed like they were just aiming at best to hover and um and certainly that and the result have... is you look at many of the power rankings and the giants are rightfully 31st or 32nd in the league and they're playing a team on on sunday who you can criticize them for tanking you can criticize them for the way that they've built this roster you can criticize them for flipping a second round pick for josh rosen and that not working out but the bottom line here is Daryl, they had a plan and they committed to the plan their plan was we are going to acquire as many draftable uh, players, as, uh, draft assets as possible, and as a result, they have three first-round picks, three second-round picks, a total of 13 draft picks this year. Wow. No, they don't have a franchise quarterback, but I believe that they have found a head coach in Brian Flores, who at bare minimum can get his team to play for him because they've won a couple games over the last month and they seem to be playing at a very high level, or at least playing at a very high effort level for him, which I don't know that you can say the same about Pat Shermer over the last month. Um, let me ask you this. The two teams that are on the field at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, who has a brighter future, the Dolphins or the Giants? Well, I mean, I think that a lot of that depends on who the Dolphins get as their quarterback next year. But, I mean, if you look at who's set themselves up better to have a brighter future, there's no question it's the Dolphins because of all the things you mentioned. You, re- If you want to rebuild in the NFL and you want to try to build a team from the bottom up, you do it through the draft. And the Dolphins have put themselves, as you mentioned, in, in extremely good position to do that. And the Giants really haven't. And they haven't done a good enough job of, of putting themselves in that position. I know that they got the picks in the Odell Beckham trade, and, and we'll see how those pan out. But um, And they're going to pick high next year by having a, a, a disappointing year this year. So, uh, yeah, I think if you, you look at it and say unless the Dolphins could always screw up those picks. They could always pick sure. a quarterback who winds up being terrible, but they've put themselves in better position to have that brighter future. They also lead the league in cap space with over $100 million right. going into the next so year. That, so you have 13 team, picks, right. you have six picks on the first two days, three in the first round, $100 million in cap space. And whether it's Joe Burrow, whether it's signing a quarterback, whether it's trading for a veteran quarterback, my thought is they can do any of it. the Dolphins are better positioned to have a brighter future than the Giants are. And, and that's playing in a division where you never know what New England is going to be from year to year at this point. Will Bill Belichick and Tom Brady be back next year? Will Brady be playing elsewhere? Um, in the NFC East, you have the Dallas Cowboys with a very talented roster. You have an Eagles team that seems to have regressed over the last couple of years, uh, but as long as they have Carson Wentz and they have some of those pieces on defense, they're going to be in the mix. I, I just look at what the Dolphins have. Uh, they appear to be set at head coach. We'll see what Brian Flores does when they're actually trying to win, but I think that their front office has done a much better job in Miami of getting that team set up to succeed than Dave Gettleman in the Giants front office has here in New York. I mean, you look at cap space for next offseason. The Jets have 62, the Giants have 61, and the Giants are, the Dolphins are first. Let's see the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The Giants are 13th, as I said. So right now, that's according to over the cap with a $200 million estimate for what the cap's going to be, and the Giants are at $61 million. So they have, you know, 13 million, 13, 13th position at $62 million. That's, that's a 61, rather. That's a decent amount of space, but you're not among the top teams if you look at Dolphins, $100 million. Colts, not 99, Bucks, 90, Bills, 88, Cowboys even, 86. And the Giants obviously could get more cap space by letting Janoris Jenkins go and and uh, Alec Ogletree and some of those other guys. So, sure. But 
Yeah. So. And that's what this game is about on Sunday, especially if if Daniel Jones plays. It's about another chance to evaluate Daniel Jones, and we'll see whether he's medically cleared to play in time for that game. It's about, um, you know, evaluating your young players on this team. And I think that Darius Slayton, they found a diamond in the rough in the fifth round. And I think that if you look ahead to next year and where you should allocate some of the cap space, I think somebody like Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver, you can add another speedy wide receiver, move on from Golden Tate, because obviously his four-game suspension for PEDs takes some of that guaranteed money off the table. So you can move on from him and you can potentially go in next year with a wide receiving core of Slayton, Shepard. Uh, I, I still think Emmanuel Sanders could be in play. You draft a wide receiver in a loaded draft class at that position in the second or third round. Okay, now you're cooking with some gas here. Now you have some weapons around Daniel Jones. Perhaps you can draft a tackle in the second round or sign the best tackle available in free agency. And maybe the turnaround isn't as prolonged, but it, it's going to be fascinating to watch these two organizations run parallel to each other based on the Giants trying to win while building, which I think we believe and agree is a flawed philosophy, and a Dolphins team that outright said, we're going to strip this roster down and rebuild it over the next two years. Yeah, I think that they've, they've, done, they've done it the right way so far if you're going to rebuild. Now, obviously, the hard part is finding the right players. You know, that's the hard part. But, but they've set themselves up okay. And so that's an interesting storyline going into what's a rather uninteresting game in terms of, um, you know, the, 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 the dichotomy of what you're looking at here in terms of one team, re- how, it, how it's rebuilding, and the other, how it's, it's choosing to rebuild, and rebuild with the Giants. So. It's the rebuilding bowl. And, of course, <laughs> uh, you can follow us along on Twitter. He's at Daryl Slater. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And uh, please keep a lookout for Giants Extra, our subscription-based tech service. We'd love to interact with you guys uh, off the podcast, off Twitter, share some nuggets with you as we roll along here. Uh, Daryl, before we get out of here, what's your pick for the game? Who wins on Sunday? Uh, I'm not picking. I'm not picking the Giants the rest of the year. I'm picking against them every game. I think you said it last week, and yeah. I, I think I, I picked against the Giants last week. But I mean, this team is dead, dead in the water. And I think I think Miami wins twenty-four. Uh, 21. I can't remember what I picked for the paper, but I'm changing it. Whatever it was. Uh, I'm going to pick Miami 24-21. Yeah, we touched on this very briefly, but Saquon Barkley's comments after the game when he said that this team is finding ways to lose, that, that, that's about as damning a statement as a player can make about any team or any head coach. That just goes to show you a little bit of insight at how, about how these players feel about Pat Shermer. I think they still like him. I think they, in a lot of ways they're playing for him and still playing hard and the efforts there and all that. But um, I think Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, they said it best this week that good players can't overcome bad coaching. Giants are a badly coached football team right now. Daryl, um, and, and the talent on their roster and the results and the wins and losses show that. I think the Dolphins win this game. I think that the Giants lose to the Redskins. I think they lose to the Eagles. I think they finish 2-14. and 14. And, and I don't see a, a lot of offense being produced by either team on Sunday. And I think the Dolphins win this game something like 16-13. to 13. It'll be a thriller. What's the weather going to be like? Jeez, is anyone going to want to come out for this game? But uh, Hopefully a little nicer than it was in Philly on Monday <laughs> night because that was it was raining cats, dogs, and cheesesteaks. So maybe Philly. sell your tickets and use the money to sign up for the, the Giants Extra. I like it. Good you idea. might be able to get five bucks for those It's a better uh, use tickets. of your money. Yeah, exactly. It's not that much money. Five bucks a month? Yeah, you could definitely turn a $5 profit on your ticket or something like that. But uh, yeah. Those are the type of quips you can expect from Daryl on the tech service, by the way, so go ahead and sign up. He's Daryl Slater. I'm Matt Lombardo. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you following along. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Talk is Cheap podcast on NJ.com.